Mindfulness Mode 182. Where a lot of quote-unquote diets start is let's take everything out. No sweets, no gluten, no, no dairy, no lactose, no wine, no bread, and, and it becomes very overwhelming. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us again on Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, host and Mindfulness Life Coach. In the last episode, we heard how mindfulness can help with mental health challenges and suicide-related thoughts. A.J. Nystrom has had first-hand experiences, and he really opened up during our interview to help us learn more about mental awareness. In today's interview, you'll hear how changing your mindset can completely transform your body. We learn about five steps you can apply to transform your body using exercise and food. My guest has helped thousands of women transform their lives. Let's find out more. So get comfortable, relax, and enjoy today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Zlata Suchek on the line today. Hey, Zlata, are you in mindfulness mode? Oh, 150 million percent, Bruce. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) 150 million. That's a lot of mindfulness. (laughs) Zlata Suchek transforms women to become healthier and happier. She moved from Russia to the United States when she was 16 years old. Overweight and frustrated, she became a fitness competitor in order to shake off 30 pounds. Later, due to extensive dieting and overtraining, she decided to transition toward a life of using mindset to become truly fit and to help other women beat their subconscious fears and find health and peace. She has now helped thousands of women through her Sexy Fit podcast and her transformative training methods, which include changing habits, meditation, and applying powerful mindset concepts. So Zlata, it's really great to have you here, and you have really achieved a lot with what you've been doing. Thank you, Bruce. I love your introduction. It was fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, I love to put together um, introductions based on what I've been able to learn, and I've learned a lot about you. But let's start with this. What does mindfulness mean to you, Zlata? Thank you for that question. And I was you know, thinking, I was thinking about the answer, but then I decided to stop thinking and start feeling. Yes. And, uh, that was the answer that really showed up for me is to really be present, meaning in the moment, meaning connected and really to operate from the center of who we are, which means acknowledging our emotions, understanding our emotions. And I don't mean controlling, I mean, understanding and really in that state, in that center is where we find love. And that's how we're able to connect with others. And this is where all the good comes in, the kindness, the compassion, the understanding. And, and that's what mindfulness means to me. That's, that's great. So the goodness, the kindness, and where do we have to start with that? I, a lot of people I interview say, start with yourself, but what would you say, Zlata? I say, start with conscious awareness that this is something that you cannot live without. <laughs> and this is a practice that, um, 
for, you know, I'm sure for your listeners, they've been doing this kind of work for for quite some time. Um, but for my audience, this is something that they're getting introduced to. And the first piece is always awareness to know that this is where it all starts, right? There's, there's a life that unfolds in a beautiful way when we do become more mindful. And it's sort of like that happy space that we're all seeking and we can't quite put a finger on it what that happy means. So starting with the awareness of what that looks like to us and the fact that we cannot live without that because it would be a, an awfully dark state, um, I think that's really the beginning of all transformations. Well, speaking of dark states, I know you came from Russia you were 16 years old, and that must have been a challenge. And I know that from what I've read, you had some some stresses and some anxiety that you went through. Can you tell us about that when you were first starting out in the United States? Oh, thank you for that question. Of course I can share with you, and I would love to. And this is something that I've hid for such a long time because this is was this was something that I didn't necessarily deal with because it was so painful and so dark and and I blocked a lot of it from my subconscious mm-hmm. until I um, came to write this book and and um, it was it was a journey especially um, growing up with not having much with having all my family literally very close. I mean, in in the same two bedroom apartment, nine of us Mm -hmm. very close and (laughs) moving to a new place. And the only thing I really knew about America was, you know, Americans were obsessed with green lawns and big cars and, you know, the standard stuff that you'd see on TV. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I moved, I moved into a much bigger home. I had my own room. I had a walk-in closet. That that was kind of an upper limiting adjustment of, wow, this is actually happening happening to me. And um, then the transition of actually being an extrovert and being in the environment where you're not able to connect with anyone was very challenging. And that the dark place really came from masking um, that pain and masking that depression and, and boiling it up on the inside. And um, sweets really became my escape because that's what my dad used to um, used to do when, you know, everything was going well, he would give me a Snickers. So uh, that became a new, it became a new way of living of really escaping into chocolate and candy and boiling up a lot of the feelings inside. And of course that led to an inevitable um, weight gain. And not just because I was eating all these sweets all the time. I still love to indulge in a little chocolate, um, on a daily basis, but, um, it was more about the emotions that I didn't really live through or allow to come through and sort of kind of had my, you know, brick face on every day. So, right. right. <laughs> then you became involved in competitive fitness. Can you describe that? What, what does that look like? How I became involved is a very interesting story, and it was one day in a gym class, and I mind you, I'm not an athlete by any means, and I was actually in a dance PE class, which tells you that I didn't really know how to do any other sports, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and um, a gym teacher asked me to change my shirt, and how she did that um, was less than tactful. You know, what was happening, I was tying my shoe on the ground and, you know, my, my muffin top was hanging over the top of my pants and she came up to me and she leaned over and she very slowly said, Oh, you need to cover your gut. It's disgusting. And I was like, Oh God, I just want to fall through the, you know, the, the floor Mm -hmm. right now. And, and being a teenager now, I would 
I would have a, a very well thought out mindful response to that. But my only response at the time was shame and guilt and frustration and misunderstanding. And, and this, and this classmate of mine, naturally a tall, beautiful cheerleader <laughs> saved me uh, by giving me a shirt. And, um, the next day when I was giving her, her shirt back, I asked her if she could help me quote unquote, I asked, could you help me get rid of gut? And, uh, I'm sure that was hilarious <laughs> to her yeah. because she said, yes. Yeah. And next thing you know, she asked me, you know, I'm doing this bodybuilding show. It's, we had a big high school bodybuilding culture and I knew what it was. Everybody was talking about it. And that's how I stepped on stage for the first time to really just shake off the frustration. And I had so many fears around doing a bodybuilding show, becoming active. And I didn't know what I was doing and I've never ran a time mile before. And there was so much going on, but it really came down to consciously understanding that this cannot be my story anymore. I cannot be 30 pounds overweight. I cannot be eating my feelings. I cannot be hiding myself everywhere I go. And, um, you know, the, the pressure of, of that, um, was the pressure of a show was not as big in comparison to what has, has been happening to me at the time. And, um, I really wanted to make a conscious choice and really step on stage and, and actually show myself what I can do. So that's the start. So how much time did you have to prepare for that show? Oh my gosh, it was very short. It was six weeks mm. and I did lose most of the weight in six weeks, but it was, it was quite rigid because, you know, six weeks and you're also a teenager, sure. you're 16 years old. So, and when you stop eating McDonald's and, and, um, my dad used to have a thing with happy meals. Um, <laughs> when you stop eating McDonald's and Snickers and all the junk mm -hmm. and you actually put good food in like chicken and rice and broccoli and vegetables, mm -hmm. which were teenagers at the time was like, what are you eating? <laughs> and, um, it, it really, it was fast, but it was, you know, very healthy. So is that what you would suggest for a woman now to kind of just jump right in and set a goal and go for it, go for it, go for it? Or do you have other ways to go about this? You know, based on my, based on the last decade in the world of fitness and really the last three years of intensively working with just women, um, I would say that that's probably not the best way to go unless there is a health scare or something very big. Right. Because what, where we tend to come from when we're entering these transformations is a really dark place. And for some women, it's, it's a lot of fears that are not yet uncovered, you know, and, and it's a lot of, um, negative emotions that are driving us. So we tend to thrive in those emotions, anger, especially, mm -hmm. <laughs> or things that were left unsaid and untold. And when we get to a good place with our body, um, nothing actually changes. So that's why we end up yo-yo dieting so much. So what I say is it takes equal amounts of inner work where we're talking about subconscious fears, what actually drives us, what is the motivation for us to get started, what is that positive emotion we can grab onto. And on um, a side of fitness is really about adding things in versus taking things out. And that's where it becomes really transformational because where a lot of quote unquote diets start is let's take everything out. No sweets, no gluten, no, no dairy, no lactose, no wine, no bread. And, and it becomes very overwhelming. But if we just work on things that will be step by step, 
more influential, adding more vegetables, um, perhaps cutting to one cup of coffee, um, getting 10,000 steps a day or 8,000 steps a day. That's where we really begin. And that's where the shift starts because we're focused on habits at that point. And that's the weight that's never coming back. Right. Uh, now, I know a lot of people are challenged by certain health conditions, and you spent sure. years recovering from hypothyroidism, adrenaline fatigue. Can you describe these conditions and how you overcame them? Thank you for that question. It's uh, something that's near and dear to me because, you know, this was the hypothyroidism and adrenal fatigue was really as a result of that intense jump in and do everything and two hours of cardio and lift five times a week and chicken, rice and broccoli. And it was really so much about deprivation, so much about restriction that this eventually drove me down to that path. And, and, um, you know, I used to have the mindset of all in and all or nothing. And and that's kind of how we ended up there. So, if we are challenged with any kind of health condition like hypothyroidism where our um, thyroid, which is located in our throat, which is responsible for weight management, which is responsible for metabolism, which is responsible for our energy levels and and um, different pieces, if it's, if it's under functioning, then we feel fatigued. We feel like we lack energy. Our weight is up and down. And um, so that's that's specifically what that had to, to um, kind of the description of, of that mm-hmm. um, health. I don't want to call it call it an issue, but complication. Mm-hmm. And adrenal fatigue has to do with um, a lot of unmanaged stress. Okay. And um, a lot of women deal with adrenal fatigue in some stage. Stage one, stage two, stage three is really bed rest, not moving. And that's where I was. And... Um, When it comes to managing those pieces, it really is first about uncovering what is emotionally the background of those feelings. So stress, for example, right? Adrenal fatigue and stress. This is huge, huge. And I believe this is a new health epidemic that we're going to figure out more and more and more about because of our unmanaged stress levels and really figuring out where is that stress coming from? Is it coming from the past where it's, you know, fear of failing or fear of not measuring up or, or something along those lines, or is it from the future where we've, you know, put up so many castles in the air is what I call, and so many expectations that we're unable to meet and how can we really get back to the present moment and in the state of mindfulness and really manage both of those pieces. So that's in regards to what I was struggling with. Um, and every other health concern, um, you know, it, it, it depends on individual diagnosis and individual person. So I'm just going to leave it at that, Bruce. Right. Well, I love how you go about helping women because you have your five steps to transformation. And if you, if it's okay, if I just kind of outline them, I'd like you to just maybe delve into a couple of them. The first one is train your mind, which I know is so incredibly important. The second one, food freedom. The third one is simple fitness. And the fourth one, accountability. And the fifth one is power of community. So when it comes to training your mind, the first one of your five steps, what could you just outline for us? How can Mindful Tribe just start to begin to see how to change their mindset and train your mind? I love that question. The very first step, and this was 
my very first step. This is my client's very first step. This is the first step to an amazing transformation. And that is really understanding what is the conscious story that we're telling ourselves about our ability to create the lifestyle that we're looking for. And that's the the best starting point. It really is not about the diet. It's really not about fitness. Mm-hmm. It's really not about all the other pieces. It's really about what's this, what's my story right now? And if my story is it's too hard and I don't know what I'm doing and this is very confusing and, and, and I don't have time and fitness is really not for me, then that's one. And then there's also the stories of, I must eat clean all the time. You know, I, I, I have to obsess over every single calorie. And if I don't get into the gym six times, then, you know, what is the side effect of that? So we all have some sort of anxious, um, interesting story Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is holding us back from really getting where we are. And that's, that's a very first place. And, um, do you, do you want me to just continue to, to, Yeah, I'd like you to talk about food freedom and and how we can actually free ourselves from these kinds of obsessions. Oh, I I love that question. So, and and a part of it will really come out of training your mind, right? The the training your mind piece is, you know, we have the story and we have the awareness of our emotions and how we feel, which directly ties into the food freedom. And by the way, in train your mind piece, every chapter has a practice at the end so we can actually uncover um, these, um, obstacles that are holding us back and create a vision for a new lifestyle because I'm a coach (laughs) and it's, you know, it's natural to me to coach. And, and when we're walking into food freedom, we're really seeing what is food for us is food, a best friend is food connection is food. Love is food. Um, you know, a companion or is food always going to be there? Because in a way, we all have some sort of emotional eating that is holding us back from really getting where we are. So that's the first obstacle to clear. And then from there, I really walk women and, and men step by step for how to really create a lifestyle that works for them based on science, based on strategies, based on tips, based on um the 21 day transformation plan that's included. So, um, that's, that's the food freedom step. So this new book that you've written, the sexy fit method, how mindful did you have to be to actually create this? Because I know so many authors I talk to, they say, you know, the first step is getting your head around how to create this content. How did you do it? Zlata? You know, the, it's very interesting because the book has this fabulous background. And, and, uh, th- that was not the F word I was using, uh, for part of my writing <laughs> process. <laughs> what happened was this book for a first time author, um, somebody who didn't speak English felt a whole lot like eating sand mm. while putting soap in my eyeballs and punching myself in a kidney. And usually all of this was (laughs) happening around four o'clock in the morning. So it was a very, it was a very challenging process for me. And, and, and actually, um, I released this book in June 
and this that was version 1.0 and it really just walked people through the food freedom and the fitness piece okay. right here's your food here's how to eat that here's the fitness mm-hmm. and then it bombed it was really bad it was really 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 bad even though the book was beautiful and the content was great but it had none of my story it had none of my story didn't really have a soul if you would mm-hmm. it was it was just educational piece and i said you know what there's so much more to that and it really came with the help of um, my fantastic friend who said, Zlata, the reason your book is not doing so well is because you're not telling your story. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've always told the story that I was a fitness competitor. And she's like, well, if you want more reach, you got to tell the real story. So for me, <laughs> I had to get really, 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 really mindful. And um, it was when I wrote the story part, when I wrote the, the, um, rewrote the mindset part. And when I wrote, rewrote a lot of the pieces, I actually had to dive into daily meditation for about 45 minutes. Um, I went through a coach therapist to, that I'm actually still working with. So six months now. And, um, it really, it really was about diving into really deep, deep parts of me that, didn't necessarily want to be best friends with. And this was the first time I ever opened up about my eating disorder. So, um, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing here is, is a result of daily mindfulness and, and constantly, um, looking for depth in every experience of what that book feels like and looks like to others. Well, Zlata, let's dig in to your daily meditation. What does it look like? Do you (laughs) still do it? Tell us all about it. I have a very specific um, routine. So thanks for asking, Bruce. I have a very specific morning ritual that does not get moved no matter where I am in the world because I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of traveling. And every morning I have a list of my things that I do and meditation is on my list. Um, so if we're talking about, you know, the, the daily piece of what happens is Mm -hmm. gratitude is what I start my day with. I open my eyes and this is the very first thing that, that comes into mind. And I'll, and I'll go through five things very quickly. And they're sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're different. Like today is the day of my book release. And I'm very grateful that I was able to pull this off and, and, um, that I was reading, um, Amazon reviews today. And I was like, wow, I, you know, this is, this is fantastic. So I was really grateful for every one of those. And, um, I go on a walk and this is my time to really connect with myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I listen to something, sometimes I don't. Um, I'm re-listening the power of now yes. at the moment. And, um, sometimes, you know, it's very rarely actually educational content because it's just too loaded that, that early in the morning for mm-hmm. me. And, um, it's really about connecting with my mind and then, you know, it's, it's shower food. And this is where the meditation comes in because I don't do meditation on an empty stomach. I feel like the whole time it just, my body is like, feed me, feed me, right. <laughs> feed me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I do a lot of visualization practices and this is some, this is a new, um, I wouldn't say skill, but a new experience for me where I'm really able to go in depth and layers of, uh, of the experience and really before it would come and I would try to ask more questions and I would try to control it and I would get a little bit more anxious about it. And, um, but now I just allow for the visions to come through and, and, um, it's really been a beautiful experience, but it really ranges from clearing. Um, I ask for Archangel Michael's help a lot. 
um, has been with me side by side. Um, I do um, a bit of, you know, a, a bit of visioning. It's it's a it's what feels good and what feels right at the in the moment. Um, I very rarely do guided meditations anymore. Mm-hmm. I started with guided, and I'm on a path of more. Um, just silence as my music at this point right, right. <laughs> and, um, getting deeper and deeper. And sometimes it will be 15 minutes. Sometimes it'll be five. Sometimes it will be 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually 20 minutes is exactly where, what I can consistently commit to. So, so do you sit in a chair? Do you sit on the floor on a mat? What's your pose? It varies. At times I will, I don't sit on the floor because I, I moved into a new apartment and I have, um, concrete floors okay. and that, and that's like, talk about an experience, right? So I started sitting in a chair uh-huh. and, um, I enjoy doing that. And sometimes I'll lay down on my couch when I'm doing a lot of what I know I'm going to do deep visioning. Um, I will typically lay down. Right. Well, I, uh, I'm always interested in how various people meditate because, you know, some people just feel they have to do it a certain way and mm-hmm. others are just open to allow it to happen. However, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what you've said. You've mentioned the word allow and how you, you allow the visions to come to you and you just, you just kind of must listen to yourself and do what seems right at the time. That's what it sounds like. Yes. And that's, um, that's much of what I've worked through, um, in my book and in, um, coaching and in what I'm working on is really my piece is I hang on so tightly to certain things and, and I have this need for certainty and, uh, and, um, you know, exercising this level of controlling degree of control. And while that serves me perhaps in business, it serves me with timelines, deadlines, bills, and other different pieces. But there's also this other, you know, that's, and that's very masculine, but it's also this very feminine part of me that has to come in and say, allow for this to be an experience, which is why this is, you know, and if, if I'm, especially in book launch, if I'm working, um, quite long hours, the feminine part of me is, is really longing to come through at times. And in meditation is the best time to really allow for that to happen. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about a bullying situation that you could share with us? Absolutely. And this is something that we actually encounter a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially as women. And I, I don't think we quite have put a name on it. You know, the, the very first story is of course, um, the high school story and, and the teacher that, um, decided to very tactfully mention the change of the outfit that been needing to happen. And, um, that was not, you know, I came out on top out of that story because I had somebody to sort of catch me and save the day in a way. But, um, bullying is a very real, um, piece of, of everyday life for women because I, I don't think a lot of women realize, but, um, especially in, you know, in business and sometimes in relationships, um, this can also be something that comes through a lot. I was in a relationship about two years ago and it all of it was bullying. All of it was, you know, being inconsiderate to my emotions and my feelings. And 
partially I take responsibility for not really knowing how to ask and what to ask for. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, you know, also a certain degree of control that would not allow me as a, as a person to do what I need to do in life. And this happens a lot with, with women. And I think it's understanding really that it's not about us. It's about them. Yes. And as long as we do our part, we are going to heal. We're going to, um, thrive and not just survive, but really thrive. And that was my experience of wrapping my mind around that teacher in high school, asking me to change my outfit and really calling me out on a certain body part. That was, you know, that was me consciously understanding, Oh, it really isn't about me. It's more about her. And all I can do is do my work. And really with the last relationship, it really wasn't so much about me. It was about them. There was nothing that was wrong with me because imagine for a woman that causes so much doubt, it's like, am I not good enough? Or am I asking for too much? Or am I wanting different things? And it just causes us to be so timid and so question and have so many questions about our abilities to actually live and thrive that, um, you know, it's all we can do is really continue to do the work and, and, um, understand it. It's really about, them and not, not about us. It really is. And I'm, I'm curious about the relationship you've described. How were you able to finally free yourself from that? It was, you know, it, it always comes from doing, doing the work. And really for me, it was understanding that I needed to tap into emotionally what I was feeling. Mm-hmm and not depend on the other person to give me that emotional satisfaction. So if I wanted to have fun and I wanted to be things to be exciting and adventurous, I was the one who needed to embody that. But I also was the one who needed to take responsibility and understand what I wanted and, um, and I, what I wanted out of that relationship. And that awareness really didn't come until I started working with a relationship coach. And actually funny that you asked the next book I'm writing is a relationship book. And, (laughs) and, um, it really was about being open to love and not just being open to this exchange of emotion. Like you give me the emotion that I'm looking for and actually looking for deep, um, conscious and subconscious love that you're open and available to. Does that make sense? That does. So a lot of my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30 second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? I would say the most Gabby Bernstein has been a huge influencer. And I believe it's because um, it has always come to me at the right time. And I've always ended up at her talks without ever getting tickets or actually being invited. So <laughs> I would say that she's been on my path. Cool. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Hmm. I am very aware of my emotions. I, and I understand that I don't need to control them. And all I need to do is feel them. And that's where we're going to leave that one. <laughs> okay. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice? Breathing is huge. I suffered from anxiety and every time I get in the anxious state, it's take a deep breath and hold and breathe out. And this is something I do every day and helps me not just get through my day, but really thrive in my day. Slada, you have your own wonderful new book coming out, but if you could recommend another book on mindfulness, what would that be? I think the power of now, because it's really in my face right now, um, that's a fantastic read. 
And it's something that we need to read a couple of times and to really wrap our mind around. And anything Abraham Hicks is something I'm also geeking out on. So, Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I don't actually use an app. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's more about our connection, right? Yes, it really is. Yeah. And that's what I find is that some people do use apps. Some people just completely find they are not helpful at all. So what advice would you give a person who is new to this whole idea of changing your mindset and mindfulness, and they just really want to get on it and make it happen? I would say start with gratitude. And that is a, that is a beautiful fast track to, to mindfulness that doesn't take a lot of conscious or subconscious effort. And that gets you to a beautiful state of love, compassion, kindness faster. And then from there is really at least five minutes of meditation a day. And Zlata, would you just share with Mindful Tribe a little bit more about your book and how to get it and also your podcast? Oh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do that. The book is released today, January 12th. So it's now on sale. Um, You can find it on Amazon, sexyfood.com forward slash Amazon. And um, I loved the process. I love the book um, and I love what we're able to create for other women more than anything. And it has helped thousands of women to really uh, create a complete food freedom and love our body and, and as a result live a better, most confident lifestyle. And, and you know, I think it's a, it's a must read if you're really looking to transform and change. Um, can you tell I'm not really good at pitches? I'm like, <laughs> get the book. It's really good. And, um, you know, I've, I've worked in this, I've worked in the fitness industry for so long and there are so many messages about diets and deprivation and do this and forcefulness and restriction. And it just, it's not what this is at all. This is about, um, this is about love. And it really is about understanding that our bodies are a temple. And if we take care of it, it will take care of us. So, and um, of course, you can find us on sexyfit.com for the book, for the podcast, and for all the details. So, sexyfit.com. And I'm sure you're on social media. What's your Twitter link? Um, I have um, an affirmative statement of a gift for everyone. When you're looking for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat or Pinterest, it's I am sexy fit everywhere. Ah, that is so easy. I am sexy fit everywhere. Okay, great. I am sexy fit. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Slada. I really appreciate uh, what you've shared with us, where you've come in your journey and the mindfulness that you have and the, the way you understand how to help others change your their mindset is so incredibly valuable and powerful. So once again, thanks for being here, Slada. Thank you, Bruce, for having me, and thanks for sharing this message with your audience. My pleasure. Bye now. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.